Testing? Okay, good, okay. Um, good morning, and uh, happy Father's Day. Dads, this is our special day. Day for us to be recognized and honored and respected, right? As Ben indicated, what was it, 1972? That uh, Father's Day was kind of institutionalized as a holiday in our country, right? Well, let's just admit it, dads, the truth of the matter is this. The sentimentality that goes along with Father's Day is not quite the same it is as for Mother's Day, right? I think we all get that, right? After all, our day, 1972, came 58 years after Mother's Day. So dads, we, we, maybe we've caught up here. I don't know. But 58 years later, our country recognized Father's Day. But it is a good day for us fathers. and. I do want to make some comments, primarily to the dads out there. That's not to say that what I have to say will not be applicable to those of you that are not men. It obviously does. But primarily, I do want to direct comments toward dads today. But I just want to say this as well. Uh, I really want to thank the elders for the opportunity. This really gives me an opportunity to say something that I've really wanted to say for a long time. And I get to say this now in public, and that is this. Kudos to our young men, our young fathers in this congregation who are stepping forward, who have committed themselves to God, who are raising children in the home, have incredible, incredible busy work schedules, social agendas, kids' schedules, and yet they're here, yet they're leading the way actively participating. Uh, I'm very, very encouraged by that as an older father. Amen. And I know, Amen. good, good. I know that I'm just not speaking for myself. All of you older fathers, we all share that. So just a great kudos to you young men for what you're doing. Do you remember the movie Forrest Gump? That movie, by the way, was portrayed by Tom Hanks. He's uh, MJ and I is one of our favorite characters, Tom Hanks. And um, in this movie, it, you know, by the way, it's been on the TV, I think, about five times. So hopefully you've seen this. Because what you see in this movie, basically, he's a restless soul. He's always running from one thing to another, right? And um, basically, he becomes a football hero and uh, a war hero, a ping pong champion. Right, ping pong, you remember that? Shrimping tycoon, and then finally a millionaire. He just couldn't seem to find rest. But you know what? It wasn't until he found, or he actually had a son and namesake, did he finally seem to be at peace. And you remember that scene? You remember the bus stop in the movie? Sure, I think we all remember that bus stop because you saw it more than once. At the end of the movie, you see Big Forrest putting Little Forrest on the bus. And uh, he said, Big Four says, I'll be right here when you get back. Basically, a restless soul has finally found rest, has finally found peace. Proverbs 23, verse 24 says, fathers of godly children is cause for joy. Certainly having children is a blessing. Having godly children is certainly cause for joy. And... Um, Dads, 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are people in our society today that think we're the problem, or at least part of the problem in terms of families today and problems with children. But I want to tell you the inverse is true. Dads, you matter. You're important. And I, I looked at statistics, by the way, and I had a lot of statistics that backs that up. I decided to leave that out, but I'm only going to re recite one statistic. It says, fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. So dads, the evidence is clear. You matter. You're important. And I want to tell you, you know for sure it's hard work. But the investment is worth it, and it'll come back a hundredfold. I recall when our children were toddlers, we happened to live on the western edge of the eastern time zone. That meant it didn't get dark until 9.30 at night. And so here's the toddlers in the neighborhood. They're all out to 9.30. Time you get them in, get them cleaned up for bed, and you read and you pray, it's 10.30 you're absolutely exhausted, and you know, wow, I get to wake up tomorrow and do this all over again. It is tough, it is hard, but again, the rewards are, are very, very often, and they come early. And dads, every day, every single day presents a new opportunity for you to be the dad. I'll just say this, if you missed that yesterday, I'd simply say grab onto it today and pour your heart and soul into it. And one thing I didn't say at the outset that I, I just need to say this right now, you know, raising children, all of you know this, but it needs to be said uh, again, is there is absolutely no perfect science to this. And I want to also say that I made my share of mistakes. As I look back, and I see things that I did as a dad, actually, I wish I could go back and redo some of those things. So this is always a trial, trying to continue to improve, try to get better, try to get better. But I want to ask you dads a question. Kind of relates to one of the comments Ben made. But I'm going to ask you dads, would you be willing to hug your 15-year-old son in front of the freshman or sophomore class? Would you be willing to do that? Well, let me ask you another way. Would you be willing to hug your five-year-old son in front of the kindergarten class? All the teachers, administrators are looking on. Well, probably 100% of you would say yes to that. But I would ask you to consider if it's okay to hug that five-year-old, why is it not okay to hug that 15-year-old? I want to tell you, hugs are important. And I grew up in a time when it just seemed like men really weren't men if they embraced another man in public. I'm thankful. I think we've got beyond that point. And that's a good thing. And the reason it's a good point, hugs are important, we're making emotional connections with our children. And dads, 
there will be tough times. There's no question there will be tough times. And the ability to develop close bonds with your children through hugs. Obviously, you could feel comfortable doing that, girl, but you need to feel just as comfortable doing it with your boys. Now, I want to tell you, in our home, MJ actually had an advantage over me in preparing for parenthood. She had a period of about 36 to 40 weeks that she had this constant reminder in her tummy that uh, her body was changing and there was these little nudges and elbows and kicks a little bit later on. They served as constant reminders that our daughter's coming. A way to remind mom, boy, being a parent is right around the corner. I didn't get that kick. I didn't feel it. Quite frankly, we're in the hospital and um, I'm in the delivery room. Great moment, but still didn't set in. It just didn't. Maybe you're different, but it didn't set in for me. During the entire stay in the hospital, it didn't set in with me. But when we went home, it's just MJ and I. We got our daughter, Kelly. We walk in the house, and MJ says, Michael, do you want to hold your daughter? I said, sure, but let me first get a pillow. I want to make sure I don't hurt. So I get a pillow, get my daughter, sit down. I begin to hear the, the little breathing sighs and oohs and ahs. And I said, oh, is everything okay here? And then I realized, wow, I am in charge of a human being and a tiny soul. And I want to tell you that that feeling is absolutely overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. And um, it was so, in terms of that overwhelming feeling that you get, it dawned on me at that point and ever since, there's really nothing more important than being a parent. Mitch said that last week. I don't care how tough your job is. I don't care what your position is. I don't care if you become president of the United States. There's really nothing more important than that. And I, it makes me come back to another point. I talked about our young dads here, but I want to say something else that's going on here. We have a lot of young men who do not yet have children. They're married, but we also have young men who are not married. And you may not even realize this yet, but you are preparing for fatherhood. And that's a good thing. The fact that you've committed your life to God, that you're trying to follow his teachings, you are preparing. And that's a good thing. Now, if you would with me, we're going to turn to the scripture readings. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 has been read. But I want you... To, uh, we're going to pick up again with verse 4, but this time we're going to read it through verse 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, and when you rise, 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let's go back. This is powerful. Look at verse 5 again. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You see the image that presents? This is all-consuming in the home. It's not about the assembly. It's about what's going on in the homes. And Dad, that is a real message to us. It's not about just being here. It's about what's going on in our homes. Are we making this the focus in our homes? That's what's really important here. Now, I'm gonna ask you also now to turn with me to another scripture reading. And this is in Psalm 127. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it in labor, or those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of the, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. I love the imagery here, dads. This is painting us as warriors, right? We are warriors. You see this image? Children are heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. This is painting a picture that you need to be courageous. You need to be brave. Now, some of you men may have young enough children in your home that you're already Superman. And you may not be Superman, but you may be some other superhero. If that's the case, enjoy it. That will eventually go away, you know. But it's nice while it lasts, right, to be the Superman. Here's my attempt to be Superman. I still haven't got my Clark Kent glasses. I haven't taken them off yet, but I'm taking my suit off and I want to be Superman. So men, I think we like to kind of be superheroes, right? Well, this message, this text basically is creating that type of image, okay? So I'm gonna get rid of that. I don't want you to keep seeing that picture. But anyway, um, the point is, it, it says here that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior, okay? So that being the case, they've got to be sent out straight with faith on a true course. Now, this is going to require us dads to do something, right? Number one, it's going to require commitment to a process. We know that arrows will extend beyond ourselves. 
They will leave a le legacy, right? But I want to be clear on this point. This is an important point to remember. We can be godly parents, but not raise godly kids. That is possible. Remember, this is no perfect science. Remember Adam and Eve? They were in a perfect environment, right? They didn't have social media. They didn't have uh, baseball games they had to take the kids to. They really had, didn't have the distractions, but yet they walked away. And what about Cain and Abel? Um, they didn't have peer pressure. They didn't have video games. They have social media. They didn't have that. But one killed the other. So you can't, it is possible to walk away because after all, children grow up to a point, they're going to make decisions on their own. But clearly we do know this, that bad, but parents' bad behavior can bring about bad consequences for the child. We all would agree with that, right? Remember the story of David, King David? Well, he was a man of God's own heart, right? But you know, you really think about it, his family was a disaster. Um, remember his son Absalom? His son Absalom actually tried to connive behind the scenes and take over the throne. And in 1 Kings 1, we read where his other son actually assumes the throne. And the scriptures go on to say that King David never said anything to him like, son, what are you thinking? What are you doing? He was silent. He just wasn't involved. He wasn't engaged with his children. So, dads, it takes teamwork, by the way. It takes teamwork. It takes a strategy. And when we think of that warrior mode, right, dad? You know, we're preparing for battle, so to speak. Think of this kind of warrior type image. Remember, remember not too long ago, uh, a few years back, when the Navy SEALs went in to kill Osama bin Laden? When they did that, they, they actually built a um, complete full-scale replica of the compound. They practiced and practiced and practiced, and they had contingency after contingency. They even had a backup helicopter so that if this failed, Plan B would go into effect. If this failed, Plan C would go into effect because they kept the mission up front. They knew what their mission was. So they had the contingencies in place. And so dads, message is we need to think of it long-term strategy. We need to have a plan. We need to stay on that plan. Number two, we need to provide direction. And we think about direction. You think about the bow and arrow, by the way. Probably the most important thing is aiming, okay? Now, Basically, are you going to aim? Do you want your children to have the faith of their fathers? Now, this will require discipline. Now, I want one more verse to turn to in Proverbs 19, verse 18. It reads, Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. That's from the uh, ESV, English Standard Version, which is my go-to Bible. But for this particular verse, I really like what the NIV says. The NIV says, do not become a willing partner to, to their death. Listen to that. Let, do not become a willing partner to, the, to their death. Let that sink in just for a moment. So basically what that's saying is if we don't provide the direction, we become a willing participant to their death. That is really heavy. That is a heavy thought, right? Probably hadn't thought much about that, but that's how important this is. So what we say, what we do in the home, 
uh, you know this, our children see, they're listening. And you know what? We all know this as well. They may not obey. We all know that. But more than likely, more than likely, if they see that God is the focal point in our home, if we see that we pray that we, whatever we do, that God is that focal point in our home, more than likely, they will embrace Jesus Christ. We just cannot wing it, dads. So we have to show our kids what's important in our homes. We are leaving a legacy, and we want them to have the faith of our fathers. And quite frankly, in the world we live today, Satan has the deck stand stacked against us. So as we think about our mission, dads, is we really need to focus more on G-O-D versus G-P-A or M-V-P. Now, quite frankly, that's not to say that those latter two things are not important. But what is important and far more important is the emphasis on G-O-D. And you know, many of you are coming and going and taking your children here, there, all kinds of activities. And MJ and I did the same. We understand that is a challenge for sure. And it's hard work, but you know what? It's likely that your children are not going to remember the sacrifices that you're making. You're making sacrifices to do that. Sure, it's a bonding experience, and that's good because you're together, right? So that's a good thing. But what they're more than likely going to remember is those times, Dad, where we take a stand. It's like a Joshua 24 moment. Remember what Joshua said? He said, for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. So when they see that in the home, I think that's going to be the lasting impression. Think of this for a moment. Let's say it's spring break. A lot of us go away on spring break, right? Kids are out. So let's say you go to a uh, nice hotel resort. It happens to be Easter week. You get there on Saturday. You walk in. Kids are with you. You see on the marquee, what do you see in the morning? Easter egg hunt, face painting, other games. Kids get excited, they see this, and you say, dads? Dads say, no, children, we're gonna serve the Lord first. That will come first. Those are defining moments in our children's lives. And dads, you need to be willing to step to the plate. Now, as I say this again, I just wanna say again, again and again, I've made lots of mistakes, okay? So I'm not trying to be preachy here, but these are thoughts that I would like for you to consider. Now, aim for the target, very, very important. We see in Luke chapter 52 where as, as a young child, that Christ increased in stature, wisdom, and favor with God. And in 1 Timothy, we see where Paul commends Timothy for his faith. And he says, I know, Timothy, where you got that faith. It's from your mother and your grandmother. So you see in both these examples at an early age, the starts. And you know what we do? Moms, you really start this process of teaching these kids early, even in the crib. We put educational toys in there, right? From time to time. We put these dangling things over the crib sometimes. We start this process of trying to teach our kids. And then we introduce healthy foods into their into their bodies, and uh, we get growth charts. And then when they get a little older, we 
start arranging play dates. After all, we, we want to make sure these kids socialize, and we, we want to make sure that they're responsible, socialized folks so that when they're adults, they'll know how to get along with other people. Okay? So those are things that, that we do. And um, Mitch mentioned this last week as well. He said in Ephesians 6, we are responsible for training them up. And teaching them discipline yields peaceful fruit of righteousness, Hebrews 12, verse 11. Now, dads, obviously all of this takes time, right? It takes time. Now, 100 years ago, it's been estimated that children and parents were together about 54% of waking time. Today, it's estimated that number be about 18%. Likely that number keeps going down. The fact of the matter here is there's less time together and the world is really complex. And so as a result, how do we do this? How do we do this? Number one, take away dads, go home. What does that mean? Go home. Go home when the work is done. And yes, I understand the world of work has changed and some of you work at home. But that principle still holds, even if you're working at home. Because when the work is done, it's done. Put it away and be at home. Be with kids. And number two, show your kids how much you love their mother. And, number, and, and part of that, dads, when you're pulling into the driveway at the end of the day, remember this. There's no one in that household responsible for the bad day you've had. I don't care how bad it's been, there's no one responsible for it inside. They don't deserve your bad mood. And number three, refuse to let others schedule your time. Your time belongs to you. And you well know this, others will be happy to step in and schedule your time. We also know from God's teaching that God expects excellence in our occupations, in our work. But I want to leave you with this takeaway, and that is there, there simply no success can compensate for failure at home. Stay focused on the home. And the third point is tune in. Children know when you tune them out, quite frankly. And we know that as adults when we or even talking to people. Sometimes we're talking to individuals and we know they're a million miles away. They're not even looking at us, they're looking off, or sometimes even when we shake hands with people, they're not really looking at you, so they're not really with you. Have you ever seen this? You can go to the mall, you can go most any place, and you see this picture. You see a five or six-year-old son, he's with his dad, and he's pulling on him, saying, Dad, Dad, I need, I need to ask you, and he's got his phone over here. He's like, not now, not now. Go see your mom. You ever seen that? You ever been guilty of that, dads? Well, I want to tell you, I have. I've been guilty of that. I think that's part of the challenges in the world we live in. But the truth of the matter is, kids know if we're tuning them out. So it's important. It's very important. Now, dads, we're going to take a pop quiz, OK? I know you love pop quizzes, and you get your chance for a pop quiz. Do you know these? Do you know this? Okay, a separate way you can read this, dads. 
Do you know who your child's best friend is? What they most want to do when they have free time? What the greatest fears are? What the greatest pressures are? Well, hopefully you do. But you know who does know? Satan. Satan is willing to be a willing participant to their death. So these are very, very important things, dads, that I would like for you to just kind of consider. Now, dads, I would also say this. The day will likely come when you would give anything for your child just to be in your home, just to be able to have some time to talk to. So, again, consider the time you have now and use it wisely. So, Dad, as warriors, we've got basically 18 years to prepare to release our arrows with love, clear direction, and on target. It is definitely a, a, just an enormous responsibility. And, Dads, we need to thank God every day that we have the opportunity to raise our children and to pray for our children to be successful in instilling the faith of their fathers in their hearts. And one of the things we also know, and I just want to say this, is when we think about our lives, whether we get married, that's optional, right? Whether we have children is optional. But raising children is not optional. It's not optional, it's essential at that point. And basically, dads, we do not want a generation to not know God. So let's do our best. And moms, we need you. And I know this has primarily been directed toward men. And as I said, dads get to be respected and honored today and ladies, you had your opportunity just a few weeks ago, so uh, bear with us men, okay? But we need you. This is a partnership. Teamwork strategy is required together, okay? So together, let's seek God to love him with all of our might, our strength, and mind to teach these things to our family. And you know, last item I want to mention is this. Dads, we all like to hear our kids give us thanks, right? Sure we do. We, we, we try to teach them how important that is to give thanks. Our Heavenly Father wants us to thank Him. But if you'll indulge me, I'm going to kind of uh, paraphrase this in a way that really not per scripture in terms of how we're going to be judged by the Lord. But the message comes across, and it's powerful. And dads, when you think about receiving that thanks, I want to share with you what I think would be the most powerful thanks that you would ever, ever hear. And it's this. Simply said, imagine that joy. Imagine the joy you will feel when you stand before Christ, flanked by your wife and your children, when your child says, thanks, Dad, for telling me about Christ. It doesn't get any better than that. That's what we live for. 
And um, we live in a challenging world. And uh, again, there's no perfect science to this. And as I said, the world just seems to get more and more complex. But I want to say this. I've really not said anything at all what one must do to become a Christian. Uh, but I think I've conveyed a lot with regard to what God expects of us. You know, obviously I've talked primarily to fathers, fathers-to-be, but it's also applicable to mothers and mothers-to-be. But we need to live for God. He has high expectations in us. And when you go back, and again, I just think that message that God gave to Moses before he's going to be taking the people over into the promised land, I mean, God was just so insistent. We cannot let a generation not know God. We cannot let that happen. This is so powerful. You've got to teach your kids. That was the message. Simple, but emphasized back then. So as we think about that, God is our Father. He has expectations for us. We want to be with him. And if you've not committed your life to God in any way and you want to commit your life to God, you have an opportunity as we stand and sing this invitation song.